Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Associate editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. And senior writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. Uh, so Joe Biden uh, made his first extended television appearance uh, since his assumption of the presidency uh, in an hour-long town hall with Anderson Cooper on CNN in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, I'm going to propose a theory, and then we can discuss whether this theory is suitable based on everything that uh, Biden laid out last night. Uh, there seems to be a deliberate strategy, an interesting deliberate strategy to be the anti-Trump in a way that I don't think we have discussed or that people haven't discussed, which is that Trump was always the best, the greatest, this. We're making changes like never before. Everything is the best, better than it's ever been or will ever be in the history of everything. And uh, Biden seems deliberately convinced that what he should be doing is under-promising and over-delivering. And that when he talks about coronavirus, when he talks about the vaccine and its administration and getting to herd immunity, when he talks about schools, when he talks about a lot of this stuff, uh, what he is doing is uh, setting the bar low so they can clear it. We saw this originally, of course, in the 100 million doses in 100 days because that pace was the pace that had already been achieved. So the notion that he was somehow going to be ramping things up to the level that they already were was an interesting slate of hand, political slate of hand. It is just radically different from what we have seen uh, over, the, you know, over the last five years, which is, which is a hyperbolic uh, president uh, who says everything he does is the most important, the greatest, the biggest thing in history. Um, and Biden is seems to be going in entirely the other direction. I said this within the first week of the administration, because that's when you started seeing it, is that the biggest difference between these two administrations early on is that everything that was so easy is going to be coming in two weeks has somehow become extraordinarily difficult. And we will be fortunate if we ever see it ever. Um, but the problem with the under-promising and, un and under-delivering so far strategy of the Biden administration is that the targets they've set for themselves are lower than that which is the status quo, so that it doesn't make them seem as though they're being prudent and you know just trying to me measure expectations. It makes them seem out of touch and unable to uh, accurately assess the state of affairs as they are presently and build on those as opposed to setting realistic expectations for the future. It just makes them seem like they don't have their hands around any situation, well, which, is, which, present, which is the exact opposite of what they're trying to go for. They're trying to demonstrate and show competency and, um, and, and you know, a measured seriousness. But what they're for conveying is incompetence. Well, and it often forces them to, if they want to stay on message, it actually forces them to lie and to, and to, and to, or as, you know, 
as all of the, their enablers in the mainstream media like to say, restate their message or, you know, massage those numbers. I mean, basically, you know, as we've seen, certainly with the CDC reports on school reopenings, we heard it from Kamala Harris the other day when she was talking about vaccinations and when the vaccine, you know, we had no vaccine when we came on and then Axios, which reported on it initially, then withdrew their tweet because it made her look bad as it should, because she was stating something that wasn't true. So I feel like that it's not just that it, it, um, places everybody's expectations too low. It's that it requires them often to mislead the public deliberately in order to stay on message. And that erodes trust. I think, um, under promising right now is a potentially very dangerous strategy given where the country's at. Um, people, you, you can, you can try to be savvy about it because you don't want to get caught up in um, uh, not not delivering on the on the goods you said, but that the country needs to get out from where it's at. Kids are losing their mind. People are losing their businesses. Restaurants are closing. No one knows what's going on. Um, we've been in this for a year. To hear uh, a low bar set by the new president is a very dispiriting thing for the country right now, What whether or not it's good for the for you know Biden's future prospects. Yeah, he said, right. what did he say? Christmas. We can think about normalcy at Christmas. That's the end well, of God, God, God willing. God willing. Yes. He didn't use the words normalcy. He said we'll be in a much better place. Yeah. Oh, right. boy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the whole point is that um, under-promising is a form of leadership. And in, in an odd way, <laughs> it's a Republican and conservative form of leadership, right? That is to say... Calvin Coolidge was an underpromiser. He said, you know, don't look at to me to do everything you need. Like that's not who I am. But we have here, you know, what is obviously going to be the most liberal presidency in American history is already outdistancing Obama, uh, you know, in terms of its domestic agenda in, in, in that regard. Um, but under promising on results. So the domestic agenda uh, does not require competence in this weird way. Like, no, you're saying they sound incompetent. I mean, first of all, I don't know if they sound incompetent to, you know, to the people like them, right? Well, I mean, they, okay, would... let's let's eliminate motivated reasoning from the thing. But if anybody right. actually is aware of, for example, the fact that we had a vaccine regime before the administration came in, or that over 50% of schools are actually in person one day a week already, if you're even remotely aware of the conditions that exist on the ground, then you hear this president setting targets below that, and you say, wait a minute, do you actually, are you even aware of what the circumstances are in our community? Yeah, but people aren't aware. I mean, that let's let's face it this notion that um you know we 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 function at a higher level of uh you know uh, macro american data than most people do and they believe most i mean they don't believe what they hear but guy is staying there on cnn which means that no one's watching anyway uh throwing out lots of numbers and lots of facts and lots of factoids and all of that and they're like well he seems to be on top of it what I'm saying is it's an interestingly deliberate strategy to be able to claim successes at every stage of the game. For example. Okay, but wait, all yeah. right, I'm, I'm interrupting you. But okay, here's a, an example that I think just your your analysis doesn't um, allow for. Okay. When are we going back to normal is a question that's been posed to both Joe Biden and Jen Psaki. Neither of them can commit to the even the prospect of ever 
returning to normal, lest they be held accountable in the event that we never return to normal. That is not leadership. That's the opposite of leadership. That's being, that's putting, digging your head in the sand and, 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 and being absolutely terrified of your surroundings. That's not leadership. It's cowardice. Well, and it's a self-perpetuating cycle, right? The more they refuse to say they'll ever be a normal, the more people start to doubt when there are signs of hope, like, you know, vaccination and death death and hospitalization rates declining, people demanding parents feeling more comfortable getting their kids back to school. Then they hear over and over again, several news cycles of it's still dangerous that we talked about the variance argument uh, last but week. That, but that's even better because that's not, it's still dangerous. That's, it could at an uncertain date in the future be dangerous again. again. Right. So there's, it's, it's, it's the constant, um, there, there's never a normal, but they don't want to say that because that obviously would lead to uh, even more despair than a lot of Americans already feel themselves to be in. But the Politico Morning Consult poll that we were all looking at uh, before we were taping had some interesting uh data points. One of the things it shows is that there's still a lot of healthy, not healthy, there's a lot of skepticism about who should be making decisions, for example, about sending kids back to school and who they have, who parents have confidence in and who should be kind of calling the shots. And there's still a kind of uh, reversion to, oh, yes, I guess the unions understand better than we parents do about what's safe and what's not. That's going to change. That's changing every week as more and more people sit around realizing exactly what you guys said earlier. It's been a year. It's been a year. Here's, here's what depresses me about this. Um, their um, inability to commit to uh, uh, getting back to normal um, and their whole uh, uh, strategy of, of under-promising on this stuff, um, it's in part they're doing it because they've made a calculation that it's, it's, it is fitting with uh, the American mood in some sense, right? And this plays into what we talked about, I think, last week, about how the, this sense in the country of it's 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 okay if we just hobble along, um, uh, if we just limp limp along, and that's bad. We need we 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 need someone to get us out of this now, not not to indulge it and facilitate it and um, build on that as a way forward. That is a that is a bad Turn, way yeah, forward. It, it turns out we don't want a placeholder president right. at this moment, but. It's interesting that that's where they've gone. That's the th- what you say, Abe, is absolutely true. What you want to hear is uh, help is on the way. The cavalry is riding in. We have two vaccines and three more on the way. Everyone is going to be, we're going to be in a position where we're going to have more vaccine than we know what to do with in just two months. Question is going to be making sure that everybody gets the vaccine, not that we don't have enough of it or that there isn't. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's go, people. Right? That is, that's that's the science. The science says we see the light at the end of the tunnel. So why do they not want to say it? And that, to me, is the interesting political question because it goes against most of what we know about politics. Leaders, leadership, leadership books, however you want to slice it, say the leader is the guy with his hand on the tiller who is who is directing the ship in the right direction and knows better than anybody else how to ford the streams and how to get through the doldrums and the and the rough waters into you know into port. That's that's what what leadership is. If what you're saying is, man, this is tough. I've been handed a tough 
job and there's a lot to do and there's you know we need ventilation systems in schools before anyone can go back to high school and all of this you are actually violating elementary rules about what it is that people expect from leaders and don't think they don't know that well so haven't they're... you just hit on it right there because they can't say we're we're, we're going to go back to normal at any certain date in the future because their policies preclude it Ah, if he- okay, perfect. That is exactly the reason they're doing this. And this is the big test. Will they continue to talk this way once their stimulus is passed? Is this talk all about keeping everybody depressed and anxious and worried until they can get the stimulus onto his desk and signed? And then five days later, oh my God, look how great everything is. Well, not, not in the case good. of not in the case of schools, though. No, I mean, just I'm not to, sure. Well, because just because let's, stimulus... you, you 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 cited it, but let's actually go into what he talked about there. So the press, after this um, town hall, has just been giving Joe Biden the best shoulder rub of his life, just massaging. That's all a those more diplomatic people. thing than I would have metaphor than I would have. <laughs> no, he loves a good shoulder because, rub. Yeah, and he, he loves giving them, he likes giving them. Who don't? But um, what he was asked very specifically was where you can get back into schools. And the headline is after my hundred days is over, you know, April, I I want every kids in school five days a week, full-time, probably not. Who knows? He didn't elaborate, but he said five days a week, but all the preamble that preceded that makes that impossible because he talked about how teachers need to get vaccinated. He talked about how we need to retrofit every school building in the country with excess uh, ventilation and this and that. And the other thing, all these conditions that will not be met in the first hundred days, in the next year, in the next five years, you think you can retrofit every school building in this country to eliminate the prospect of mold, you're out of your mind. You have no okay. idea how buildings work. Okay. Actually, the Green New Deal people don't have any idea how buildings work okay, because but they actually do no want to retrofit every building in the country. But these are the conditions. If they, if they are setting these conditions as the metrics of success, they will not meet them. Noah, what is in the stimulus bill for education? There, there is money. This is a stimulus. This is a coronavirus virus relief package. There is money out for schools till 2026. Hundreds of millions of dollars per year in 2024, 2025, and 2026. Hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Until it's passed. Suddenly, you think that's not help on the way? You think they're going to keep? I'm saying what they could say is, we've done it. Two trillion dollars is going to be spent. Those ventilation systems are going to be put in. That mold is going to be cleared. You know what? Schools are going to reopen. I don't think so. I, there was a little interesting uh, uh, note in a Washington Post piece yesterday with, talking about some of the new demands that some of these teachers unions are making. And it's not just we need the committed funds to do this. It's It has to be completed, has to be certified as safe for everyone. And one of the what I saw uh, the, the kind of uh, mission creep happening among the union argument was this. They said, you know what? Actually, a lot of our schools haven't been safe for a long time. Crumbling infrastructure, bad HVAC. And now COVID has just thrown into high relief all of these problems that now we have an opportunity, now that we're closed down indefinitely, 
to fix everything. Utopia is on the horizon, but utopia takes time. And all that time, that's, I think that's why they won't commit to a date. They won't commit to a date. And they're not even talking about high schoolers. I obviously have skin in this game because I have high schoolers. All of this talk is only about K through eight. High schoolers are languishing. When are they going to go back to school? He hasn't answered that question. Okay, I'm telling you, watch. Let's watch this space because schools are terrible. Everything needs to be fixed, all of this. The bill passes and it's like, it's all going to be fixed. It's all going to be fixed. But Money we thought is that rain when he down argued, your head. But we said that when he was running um, for office, that as soon as he was inaugurated, a lot of this stuff would lift it. They've actually doubled down since inauguration. But he's doubled down on it too. That's my point. And why? I think there may be a naked political calculation here. And the naked political so. got to, he has <laughs> got to be able to say that the passage of that bill, which is the largest single piece of legislation in American history, is a is a is a a, a thunderous moment of change in in, in American history. Uh, and is going to turn this country around and change everything. And he now that's where he gets to go back implicitly, if it's not like in a private meeting that we don't hear about, you know, beyond, behind closed doors, but implicitly saying to the teachers unions, okay, lay off now. You're going to get what you wanted. You're getting a lot of money. You're getting new class or you're getting whatever the hell you want. We put it in the bill we came to you. You told us what you needed. We passed it. Now you got to play ball with us. Lay up. Re- release the. You know. Uh, See, I don't believe. Okay. I, I think he it's, could say that, so but adorable. I don't. I don't think. I Ooh, think I'm they not are. Adorable. I'm saying it's possible. Listen, it's adorable. No, they it's extremely naive. They don't understand that they have an adversarial relationship here, and they will. They will learn one day when it becomes a serious political liability but not for another year or so. And they are feeling their power right now. I don't think they're scared of Joe Biden. I mean, all he has is a bully pulpit and a lot of, you know, union committed money for his next campaign. But the local unions, they have no fear of him. They've won every battle. Exactly. They've won every battle they've waged. They've earned every concession and they've asked for more. It's not going to stop. Okay, we'll see. Okay, uh, let me uh, take a uh, moment to tell you about our friends at the Bonson Group. You've been hearing me talk about the Bonson Group, the bi-coastal management firm with uh, more than $2.5 billion under management with its fantastic web products, the dctoday.com, a daily analysis of market activity and Washington policy, and dividendcafe.com, a weekly analysis by David Bonson, the head of the firm of um, uh, trends uh, in macroeconomics and the intersection of politics and policy. The Bonson Group has just added a former uh, Larry Kudlow, the former uh, head of the Council of Economic Advisors and, uh, of course, a longtime uh, conservative economic uh, wise man uh, to its uh, to, to its uh, to the group uh, as a as a minted employee uh, to add his uh, insights and analysis so you can get a sense of what what you can find from the Bonson Group and its um, study of the interplay of politics, policy, markets, and American society. Uh, bringing fresh analysis in the field of financial uh, advice uh, that 
represents a, a different level of service, of understanding, of uh, planning, and uh, is just a, a, a place to go to uh, not only for uh, wisdom and uh, analysis, but also a place to consider uh, investing your, you know, going to to help you uh, figure out how to steward your funds and how to and how to make them grow. So uh, the dcdaycom dividendcafe.com, the Bonson group with its uh, with uh, Larry Kudlow uh, in the mix, uh, very exciting news and we thank the Bonson group for sponsoring the commentary magazine podcast. Uh, going on with this discussion, I wanted to um, point out, that in in a uh, New York Times piece today on the schools in Oregon, uh, which is all about how the governor of Oregon uh, made a concerted push beginning in November, December to get the schools open, to do whatever she could to get the schools open, how to get them open, needed to get them open. Um, and the as as we've been saying, the 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 the, the unions kept raising the bar and raising the bar and raising the bar. And here is the passage that I wanted to read from the New York Times story. The release on Friday of guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that urged school districts to reopen has not changed the minds of powerful teachers unions opposed to returning students to classrooms without more stringent precautions. If anything, union leaders say, the CDC guidelines have bolstered their case. In many ways, Elizabeth Thiel, the president of the Portland Association of Teachers, said on Saturday... The new guidelines are in line with the things we've been asking for and continuing to ask for. Teachers unions in Washington State and California echoed her assessment. So uh, this is the this is what this is the the great moment uh, that we talked about yesterday that we're talking about now, which is that um, uh, in in innocence apparently. Uh, the incoming CDC director, the new CEO, Rochelle Walensky, said, uh, we can reopen the schools. And uh, she was told in no uncertain terms that um, we, we can't reopen the schools because of the science. And uh, then this morning, uh, echoing what Christine quoted before from the Washington Post, Kamala Harris, I think, was on uh, CBS this morning with Gail King and said, there's so much that goes into reopening the schools so much that goes into safety beyond the virus. Actually, it was worse than that. She said, you know, it's really, it goes well beyond statistics. Like, forget about what the actual science shows you and think about this vague safety metric that can be manipulated by so-called stakeholders like the unions. Um, and then Christine mentioned the uh, Politico uh, morning consult poll. Uh, and that has some very discouraging data in it if you are a believer in schools reopening because what it says is uh, by 55 to 34% Americans think reopening should wait until teachers are vaccinated. Fine. You know what? Let's just take that as a, as a bribe that needs to be paid. Teachers need – everybody should be vaccinated, right? So fine. Move <clears throat> teachers to the head of the line. Teachers must be vaccinated. Let that happen. So the question is if that happens – and teachers get vaccinated, will they then say, reopen the schools? That's, okay. So, 
Uh, the same poll finds that by 56 to 30, Americans would support a strike by teachers' unions to protest teaching conditions if they felt unsafe. And uh, Biden uh, Biden and Dems lead on the school reopening issue by 10 points over Republicans, who, of course, are are much more determined to see the schools reopen under, uh, you know, almost any conditions. Okay. When did we stop being skeptical of polling? Because that's horseshit. Okay. Sorry to say it. Okay. How do you know? It's, how do you know? Bring it, it on. Do it. Do it. I would love to see it happen. I would welcome that fight and the stakes associated with it. I would absolutely adore that fight. I want to bring something to your attention that was in uh, Jacksonville, which from the, or rather Duval County, a Duval County medical examiner did a Q and A. Um, and just one thing that's making the rounds. The question was, if I got a full vaccine series, when can I hug my grandchildren? And the answer to that question from the Duval County medical official was, that's a good question. Right now, getting the vaccine series doesn't change anything in terms of typical guidelines. You're still supposed to wear your mask. You're still supposed to social distance, stay six feet away from people that you're typically not supposed to be exposed to. We don't know what the level of protection is in terms of uh, when you, uh, or in terms of variants. Well, that's not true. It's all a lie. None of it has comports with any of the data that we know from private sources or the CDC in, in, de- in determining the efficacy of either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. This is garbage. And it's going to be advanced by people whose agenda is to keep schools closed in perpetuity, to keep the money flowing so that they don't have to work. There's an ulterior agenda here. It's plain and obvious to us, but it may be not so obvious to everybody else. Fairfax, let's have let's have it out in the streets. Fairfax County teachers were pushed to the front of the line at the union's insistence to get vaccination. After they all got their vaccination, they still refused to commit to come back to teach in person in the classroom in the fall. In the fall. This is so that they're just writing off this whole year. They demand the vaccination. They receive the vaccination. They still won't commit to teaching. And even if people are willing to tell pollsters that because there's a social desirability bias around it, or maybe they genuinely believe it, there's a imbalance in terms of stakeholders when it comes to schools in particular, because we're not talking about a general population. We're talking about the parents of, te- of, of students, of school-aged children. That's the stakeholder population versus a much smaller stakeholder population with the power imbalance in form of unions. We're not talking about a general population here. And to d- evaluate the situation as though it was a, a pure general uh, consensus question misses the, misses the whole point. We're talking about two distinct groups, which are a subset of the population. Okay, but you know, you 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 accused me of you know using polling that was a bull, right? But um, I I agree I that the, it, I, I, I agree with the that the result is bull. Um, but a, 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 a poll margin of twenty five points, uh, even if it's wrong and is ten, it's the margin is fifteen points off, and it's actually a ten point margin, is still a ten point margin question is what it means and this is where we start getting into this very peculiar question about what we are learning about the united states and what we are learning about the different populations in the united states Uh, biden is the president of all americans like trump was the president of all americans but in truth he is a person who is going to appeal to his own constituency uh and and please the people who voted for him right and the people who voted for him his feedback loop is this is what they want. It's not just what he wants. He, If he said, we need to reopen the schools 
and Democrats, Democratic voters, Democratic politicians, and Democratic interest groups were with him, that would have been the line that was taken. He said we need to reopen the schools. Then he told Anderson Cooper last night that he was misquoted. That that's not what he said. He wasn't talking about high schools. He was only talking about K through eight. And he wasn't talking about this. He was talking about how they, some schools are open, some schools are closed. Nah, 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 because he sent out a trial balloon and he decided he didn't like the response to the trial balloon. So uh, we are in a, in a world in which the people who think that this needs to end uh, are not the majority of people who voted for the person who is now the president of the United States. Am I wrong about this? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think that we have any evidence to indicate that the very real feelings that we have about this are necessarily shared by the, you know, our lights that there's a silent majority that believes this. I would love to believe that the silent majority believes this. I, I think you're right, John. I mean, I agree with Noah that that you know I I, the, I don't believe in the, the the poll numbers at all. But you, but John, you're right that even if you factor in a, a, a an, you know a, an error of ten points, um, you know it's like the, uh, the election. Uh, Trump didn't lose by anywhere near what the poll said he was going to lose by, but he lost. Um, so I, I think that we can infer kind of something along the same lines here. Um, yeah, look, that is my sense. My sense is that is that if you give the American public reason to be skeptical of reopening. They they will accept that, and they will and they will um, shape their thinking accordingly. That's sadly what we see. So I I, I tend to think but you're right. I just think it's a misinterpretation of of the the existing conditions on the ground to put this pop question to the general population and not to parents. And only parents. We have a year's worth of data now. If we're talking about polls, we have a year's worth of data from municipalities across the country that say majorities, super majorities of parents do want their children in schools full time at five days a week. That's the sort of thing that is now turning up in Wall Street Journal reports showing communities are tearing themselves apart, where people are voting with their feet, where people are going to town hall meetings, have never been to town hall meetings and demanding and demanding redress to this situation at the with the prospect of street action as a result of it. And this sort of thing is, is not is visible on the on the ground at, a, at an anecdotal level, maybe not in polling, but you do you, just to evaluate the general population. I think misses the misses well, the whole and, issue. and just to that point, there is a way that Biden could be a leader at this moment, and that's to point to there are many of these communities actually with a unionized teach with unionized teachers who have found a way still to open their schools. It's not true that every single unionized teacher in the country refuses to work. Some communities have figured out a way to assuage the concerns about safety and balance those against the needs of students and to open their schools in some capacity. But he is not, the fact that he can't point to that and say, look at all these creative solutions we're figuring out. We need to do that in every school district in the country because our kids need to get back to school. That message, I think, wouldn't prompt the cynicism that we're all expressing here. That's not the message he's he's delivering right now. The message he's delivering is I am catering to this particular interest group because that's what's important to me. Uh, guys, let's uh, step back for another second and talk about the way that social media and big tech are trying to curb our rights and freedoms by attempting to deplatform speech they don't agree with, that you could just deactivate all your social media accounts. But that would be giving the left just what they wanted in the first place. So instead of letting big tech sites try to control your speech, revoke their right to your data by choosing the service that I use to protect my online data, ExpressVPN. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address, which means 
when you do that, your uh, I, your your internet service provider can't track your search, your video history, everything you click on, and sell your data to Amazon and other companies, right? Um, that makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from eavesdroppers on your network. And the ExpressVPN app couldn't be easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you're protected. So it's finally time to say no to censorship and take back your online privacy with the VPN I trust at expressvpn.com slash commentary. By visiting my link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash commentary expressvpn.com slash commentary to protect your data today. I want to read something to you guys uh, that our friend uh, Rick Richman, who has written for us on occasion uh, and uh, has written a really a great book about, uh, about uh, uh, a Jewish battalion in World War II, um, uh, sent this quote. I'm going to read this quote, okay? Mark my words. It will not be six months before the world tests Barack Obama like they did John Kennedy. The world is looking. Watch. We're going to have an international crisis, a generated crisis, to test the mettle of this guy. I promise you it will occur. As a student of history and having served with seven presidents, I guarantee it's going to happen. I can give you at least four or five scenarios from where it might originate. Uh, Who said this? Anybody know? Joe Biden. Joe Biden said it in 2008. Well, now he's just talking uh, about different cultural norms. We don't really have challenges from places like China. They just have different cultural norms than we do, like concentration camps. So, you know, it's all fine. Well, I'll tell you one one thing that happened the other day that was pretty disconcerting is we had a, um, <clears throat> a deadly rocket attack in um, Iraq, killed an American contractor and wounded a variety of others. And um, we know where these come from. These are usually the Shiite militias that are aligned with Iran. This is, um, we had several of these attacks in 2019 and uh, they produced the back and forth that almost resulted in a real shooting war. Um, but uh, we, we know where they come from. And the administration's response has been decidedly muted and reserving judgment. And they were asked directly whether they think Iran was responsible and an administ- administration official, I forget who said, you know, basically we're, we're withholding judgment at this point um, because the diplomatic overtures are still in the air. They're still looking to re- reunite some sort of a diplomatic um, engagement with Iran. And that's probably not forthcoming because the two sides are now so far apart as a result of the conditions that... Donald Trump ushered in, I don't think that there's probably going to be the kind of diplomatic engagement that we saw in in Barack Obama's term. And if that's the case, you're still going to see that kind of testing, that parameter testing from Iran that could result in a miscalculation. This kind of miscalculation we saw in 2019 that almost had real catastrophic results. We also have Joe Biden, uh, the Joe Biden administration, of course, reversing uh, the uh, determination uh, that the uh, Houthi are, to, are the the terrorist determination about the Houthi in Yemen. There's a, a lot of changes going on at the margins, and uh, and uh, if Biden is right that presidents are always tested, he's about to get tested. And uh, how do we think that's going to go? That's I guess the the you know you you don't know how someone is going to react until the testing happens, but. Yeah, I mean Erbil, the 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 bombing in Erbil uh, is 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 the first real moment, and in fact, 
not that anybody pays attention, but uh, there was a statement of extreme concern issued by the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, um, which is a which is a not a meaningless thing that uh, that it, it got to the level where uh, he expressed extreme concern and said we will not tolerate or whatever you know uh, threats to American resources or something like that. Um, but I think again we have this classic thing: you come in, you come in, you're in a crisis, and you're going to plot and you're going to do whatever you what it is you 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 need to do and all of that. Uh, and uh, and however you want to establish the agenda, and obviously coronavirus overlays everything. So doing a big stimulus bill on a coronavirus is nonetheless is is you know it's hard to imagine something pushing that off the front page. Um, but you know, all sorts of unforeseeable things happen. Texas gets snow and loses all of its power. Who had that on their bingo card? You know that people can't get food in Austin, <laughs> Texas, um, and you know, fortunately for Biden, like he doesn't appear to be implicated in this the way, the way in 2010 the you know weird disaster of the Deepwater Horizon uh, oil leak in the Gulf of Mexico somehow ensnared Obama, who had nothing, to, you know, who had nothing whatsoever to do with it, and yet somehow became a massive federal issue. Um, that 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 this had happened and that his response to it, which was kind of grudging and 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 uh, I don't know, persnickety, like I don't want to have to ha- deal with this, but you know you have to anyway. Biden seems to be getting a pass on this in part because, of course, uh, blue staters can say, "Oh, Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, big talker about how California has energy problems. Look at him; his nuclear power plant went offline." Because its uh, its sensors weren't uh, you know insulated from the cold, uh, and we also this is also going to be an occasion on which people are going to use this fact to look to say you know we need to talk about an infrastructure issue. We need to harden the energy grid in the country against you know a snow a once in a century snowstorm. So now they're going to have to spend trillions of dollars, like making sure that the nuclear power plant sensor is, I don't know, whatever. But, um, you know, freakish things happen and then politicians get played. So in this case, you can blame a, a Republican politician. And so that that seems to be. You know, problem. I think the idea of, of the U.S. being tested soon points to another potential problem with the Biden approach of um, under promising and kind of uh, general humility. Um, which is that uh, when other countries, particularly adversarial ones, uh, see that the U.S. has adopted this humble, um, we can hobble along posture, they see opportunities and openings. When they see a, a, a U.S. that is not at all confident in where it's going, um, they are more likely to test us in more robust ways. I think, I think we are absolutely inviting that um, by our general posture. Well, that's great. See, this is such a cheerful. We are we are in such a great mood today. It's uh, it's unbelievable how we're how we're, uh, we're we're looking forward to the future with such um, with such uh, glowing uh, glowing optimism. But see, I am more optimistic than you guys because I see a greater degree of cynicism in in, in Biden's re- responses, and I want to talk a little bit about that in relation to Biden's performance last night on on uh, with Anderson Cooper. Um, 
so Biden is, you know, the loving uh, grandpa who, you know, says, how you doing, darling, when there's a little girl on stay and, you know, like says, nurses are the real heroes. You're our angels, you know, and uh, let, come, you know, if your your kid has some preexisting, come talk to me after the after the show and I'll fix you up so your preexisting condition teenager can get the vaccine. And he's so nice. He's so kind. He's so thoughtful. He's such a, you know. Uh, this was not the reputation that Joe Biden had in Washington for, you know, 40 years. It's not that people thought he was a jerk or like horrible or anything like that, but he was uh, kind of an intolerable blabbermouth and uh, and not, you know, a, a sweet, gentle, you know, thoughtful, avuncular sweetheart. So I, I'm going to say that along with the emergence of this brilliant campaign strategy that he came up with in April of 2019 that won him the nomination and then the election of where he positioned himself and how firmly he held to that position that he established without allowing social media and daily trends to push him off, that this uh, this act is really sensationally good. And, and uh, he's not getting enough credit for the skill that he is using to deploy it because people uh, who would want to give him credit want to believe it's real, but it's not real. I mean, I, you know, maybe a loving grandfather and a great, you know, a great family guy, whatever he is, but you know, he's not, you know, he's not Mr. Rogers. He was never Mr. Rogers. He no, he's Mr. Dog Face Pony Soldier. Right. I mean, he's yeah, but, but <laughs> right. you know, yeah. come on. But as man. president, though, yeah. he's protected. See, the the act would be exposed on the campaign trail because you'd have to deal with the public, and and they were guys would come up to him who would get under his skin, and then you'd see the real Biden for a moment. We don't. That's not going to happen now. Right, and it couldn't happen during the general election season because of because of the virus. Right. So. He was, you know, he he eluded that 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 stuff, um, but of course, you also elude it. That's part of the skill. Eluding it, knowing that you have to elude it, is part of the skill in creating the persona that he has now created. And I think that this should go a long way toward um, retiring the sense that people on the right still have. Because I know, because I get emails from them all the time about how he's senile. He's, you know, he's gaga. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's all being led by the nose. And he's very, you know, and he doesn't know and he has no energy and all of that. But, that was not the takeaway. My takeaway from that. Town yeah, hall. I agree. I mean, I watched a lot of the town hall. But the problem with that, John, is that sometimes he does seem senile and gaga and 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 not at all, not all there. But last night wasn't one of those times, but there will be those times. Right. But that, but, but anybody I, who just talks and talks and talks until they stumble across a point risks seeming senile, or at least yeah, not I mean, always there. Right. But I, I'm just saying that uh, I thought that was that was an extreme. Granted, he was not asked tough questions. He was asked leading, gentle questions that were exactly in the sweet spot where he wanted to answer them and all of that. But that was a very effective performance he put on last night, and and people on the right should not be. Um, should understand that they're up against something formidable. This is not this is not an accidental presidency. He's not an accidental president. It didn't happen by happenstance. And he is feeling his way toward how he keeps his support, which is majority support. He got 51.5% of the vote, satisfied and happy with him. 
There is, though, I think part of I agree with that. And I think the people uh, on the right who are, you know, making the possible dementia argument, they're only uh, they're they're one trick pony are, are in the wrong. But I think part of that is an expression of the frustration. And we did see this uh over the top uh, last night in terms of the press's reaction to Biden's performance, it would be helpful if all of these folks who you know spent four years fact-checking every sneeze that Donald Trump had would stop running cover so obviously and blatantly for Biden and did their job. So you have Glenn Kessler basically saying, well, you know, kind of serving instead of serving as an adversarial press corps, acting like his, Biden's amanuensis and saying, oh, well, actually, I think what he meant to say was this. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not his job to tell us what he thinks he meant to say, unless that was his job description has changed from the fact, brutal fact checking he always subjected Donald Trump to. So I think that frustration that's expressed certainly among conservative media types is is a, a, a is coming from a real place of, of uh, dereliction of duty on the part of the press with Biden. Right. Well, I mean, look, that's that that's certainly true. That the central contention of the Biden administration in relation to the vaccine is that they came in and there was no there were no there was no there were no doses left and there was no plan for the administration of the vaccine. And that's a like a blatant lie. It is not true that there were no doses left. He said last night there were only 50 million doses. The cabinet was going bare. And so we bought a lot more. Everybody knew they were going to buy more. There weren't only 50 million doses I mean, you know, 50 million doses had already been administered by the time he became president. That's an absurdity. Like, he has no right to say stuff like that, and he should be called on it. But, you know, he's not going to be called on it. So, yes. Or will half the administration's public health officials, like Dr. Anthony Fauci, the great truth teller, who um, can contradicted the administration's bold-faced lie by saying that we did, in fact, inherit this thing. And then he was pressed on it later, I think yesterday or earlier this week, um, where he was, you know, pressed on that lie, which he called a lie in no uncertain terms. And he said, well, I, I think the administration was saying, you know, get a plan to get shots in arms. So the, the Trump administration had a plan to get vaccines and deliver them to places, but they had no idea how to inject that vaccine into the arm of the person who was there. It was just they overlooked that, that, one, little, that one little thing. Very critical, too. How could they have there was such an oversight? I mean, it is. You it have is, to be an idiot. They have to. They're treating you like a boob. Yeah, well, they are. When are you going to get mad about that? Well, you know, you, listener talking to you. Well, I don't think yeah. our I don't think our listeners are. This boobs. is the in your I face. Say this. I now want to say, honey, darling, <laughs> thanks so much for coming to our town hall here, our daily town hall. You're the real heroes, listeners of the Commentary Magazine pot. You're our angels. But here's another you know, myth. Because some podcast listeners, you're all great, but it's the commentary podcast listeners that are the angels. They're great because they're ornery angels, actually. I love that. You're very ornery. <laughs> and, I hope you're going to really worked up today. I want you worked up. And they like beef. Really and they like beef. They like oh, beef, okay. Noah. And beef. if you like beef, and who doesn't We've like got beef? beef. Uh, you got to go and use moinkbox.com, which delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. 
Animals raised outdoors, fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com slash commentary to get a year of ground beef for free and then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month and cancel anytime. Moink was founded by an eighth-generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best baking he's ever tasted. And Jamie Simonoff, creator of the Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Monk. Moink, excuse me. Monk is the TV show. Moink Box is the sponsor. They guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. So join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash commentary right now. And listeners to this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash commentary. That's moinkbox.com slash commentary. So I guess we should maybe take up the question or uh, point out that in his first major statement since he became uh, ex-president, Donald Trump uh, went after Mitch McConnell after Mitch McConnell had gone after him, uh, saying he's a hack, doesn't smile, uh, is unsmiling hack, which is an interesting... Uh, Trump, not a big smiler himself, actually. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, he's a loser, and uh, Trump's the winner, and he's a loser, and... Um, and uh, we only lost Georgia because uh, Republicans only lost Georgia because of the evil of uh, Brad Raffensperger and uh, and and Governor Kemp. And otherwise, we'd have the Senate, and that's Mitch McConnell's fault somehow. I'm not sure how. Uh, so, uh, does this mean the battle lines are drawn? Is this like it's going to be the Trump Party versus the McC- it's the Washington establishment versus Trump in 2022? So uh, it could be, but I, but both sides have to play the game. And this is where it was so we, we all talked about this on the group group text a little bit like Donald Trump's first entry in his burn book has been released to the public. But it was so weird that it wasn't on Twitter. Right. We're so we, if we've become kind of habituated to the to the Trump rants on Twitter, the formality, the weird formality of it, even though it was, of course, posted by someone on Twitter, uh, led to some nice distance that I think right now Republicans have a very crucial decision to make about whether they're going to engage that. Do they have to engage that? Some, I guess, will. But the smart strategy in some ways is is the weird line that McConnell himself has been trying to straddle. I don't I mean, opinions differ on whether he's doing so successfully. But, you know, he didn't vote. He voted to acquit Donald Trump, but then took to the floor of the Senate and, and gave a, you know, excoriated his behavior. There's a, there might be a way to, to deal with this that isn't directly engaging Trump, who's right now in a position of weakness, even though there are a lot of people in the Republican Party who, who are still looking to him for leadership. But he I think it's a very crucial moment for Republican politicians, and they have to make these tough choices. But I actually have some optimism about their ability, some of them, their ability to do so. But Noah, you should probably cynically talk me out of that <laughs> to stay well, on message. Can, can I just jump in for one second? <laughs> I, I think, I mean, it's, I think it would be good and clarifying to have these two sides um, go at it out in the open with with clear lines drawn. The challenge, I think, for the uh, non-Trump right is to actually start talking about and asserting things that aren't merely responses to Trump and Trumpism. Um, because that's Trump's territory. Uh, and if you go after him, he's going to go, he's going to go after you a billion times 
um, dirtier and stronger, and w w by always with a, by necessity with a larger uh, megaphone. Um, I think they they need to be talking about things like uh, individual liberty and individual rights in the face of uh, you know group uh, ob obsessions and. Um, uh, political correctness and, uh, you know, wokeness run amok and all the rest of it, and actually sort of give people a reason to rally behind them having nothing to do with Trump or even on things that are completely consonant with, with what Trump was about. Right. Well, I think I, I think there there is an important opening, which is that the opening is Trump is no longer president, no longer making policy, and he is not the, the, the sun around which all the planets Revolve. Biden is the son, or the Democrats are the son. They have control of all the the levers of power in in, in Washington, and the Republican Party should be focused on uh, answering the cultural, political, and policy challenges that are posed by unified Democratic leadership. And if Trump wants to interpose himself and fight a Republican civil war, when Republicans, serious Republicans in Washington, are doing what they can to uh, keep alive uh, conservative ideas and fight the imposition of, of liberal orthodoxy, um, what they can do that uh, kind of by ignoring him. That is to say, like, and, and then you get to an interesting moment. So it's 2022, Biden's there, Trump then decides that he wants to primary everybody, Right. He wants to primary by their establishment. They're terrible. They do this, they're the other thing. Suddenly you have a moment where the argument that this is, uh, you know, that uh, if we do this and we spend 2022 at war with each other uh, rather than focused on doing what we can to win back the House and Senate to retard the ability of Democrats to work their will on the country, um, that'll be a serious argument. That'll be that'll be like this is mischief. This is mischief that is going to make everything worse, and it's going to make everything worse, and it's going to empower everybody that we don't want to empower. We have the brass ring in our sights, five seats in the House, you know, one Senate pickup, and it's all over. And uh, if what we're going to do is spend the first six months of 2022. Uh, screaming and fighting with each other, that's not going to be helpful to this longer goal. And we had the dress so, rehearsal in Georgia with the special Senate. I mean, they, you can point to Georgia and say, yeah. we tried this and look what happened. Right. Now, the answer will be, uh, there was a lot of this in 2010 and Republicans won the House in 2010, right? Won 63 seats in the House. There was a lot of primarying going on. A lot of, you know, uh, regular uh, Republicans were uh, knocked out and all of that. But of course, Republicans did not win the Senate in 2010. Uh, Rubio won and, you know, Rubio knocked off Charlie Crist in primary and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, these these radical right-wing Senate candidates in 2010 who were sort of like the precursors of Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Roy Moore and uh, the losers, I mean, not that Marjorie Taylor Greene lost, but, you know, the losing candidates of, 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 of 2020 um, uh, were Sharon Angle, Todd Akin, Richard Murdoch, uh, these people who said things and did things that made it, that, that meant that they lost safe seat, they lost relatively safe seats. Uh, in in uh, either Republican leaning or 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 dark or deep Republican states, and so 
uh, you know, that's a that's a good argument to make too. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see because of course Trump's about Trump and the Trump wing is about Trump. But there's going to be bigger fish to fry. God knows what that what happens under those circumstances. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's knowable what happens under those circumstances. But it's an interesting fight to have. And you know, it's not an interesting fight to have a fight with your HR department. Because when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. An average of seventy thousand dollars a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees' day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Month to month, no hidden fees. Cancel any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time in HR compliance. Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash commentary right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash commentary spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash commentary. So uh, is there anything that anyone can say that will not, that, that means we don't have to end on a note of crushing morosity? Well, the COVID data actually should give us all some hope. Oh, the, yeah. the, the absolute plummeting decline of, of deaths and hospitalizations and, and the trend line and, and all of that is positive news. And it's a weird thing that we, I mean, we should constantly emphasize that because that's a very hopeful sign that, you know, despite what Joe Biden says, we might actually be getting to some healthy uh, return to normalcy long before the end of this year. And by the way, this is a global um, uh, the WHO announced yesterday that the number of cases dropped 16% in the last month. And we're not talking about the United States where uh, the caseload has dropped by half uh, since, what, since the middle of January? I think, I mean, it's since a month ago. Um, uh, and hospitalizations have crashed and all of that. I mean, it's a, it's a, and, and this is before the vaccine has had a chance to really, start uh you know affecting these numbers for for the better so yeah i mean this is this is uh this is great and 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 fantastic news um uh so the so in the end we only will stay in this or be in this forever uh, as a matter of some kind of weird neurotic deliberate choice as a society uh, uh, you know, overtaken not only by fear but by a, 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 a misapprehension of risk and 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 danger, which of course has been a, a consuming topic on the right for 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 decades, really since the sort of the the spiraling out of control of of tort law in, in the United States and these you know mammoth verdicts uh, on torts and things like that, all of which cause a misestimation. Are, are, are part due to a misestimation of risk and a belief that you know the proper risk level for everything is zero, which is something you never accept on something that you like or that you really enjoy. Um, and so uh, that's a, that's an interesting long range question about the psychic and spiritual health of the United States. And now I'm tending back into question well, morosity. So yeah. before we conclude, okay. um, you should uh, first of all. I mean, I just want to note that. 
I'm going backtrack a little bit to the Republican Party's internal politics thing. Um, you had a theory that you should elaborate on because I think it's probably right and quite valuable. Um, I should stipulate, however, that I don't care okay. um, because you guys all wanted to put a period on this whole Trump thing and you did. So good luck. Um, you're on your own there. But you had a theory about the internal dynamics that could actually play out and I find rather compelling. Okay, I'll do it very quickly and then we'll go. My theory is that, uh, not consciously, I don't think, but you could have McConnell and Trump playing a good cop, bad cop game. Uh, that uh, McConnell is the, uh, Trump uh, is done and he did terrible things and it's awful and I'm the voice of those people who think that Trump was awful. Uh, give the Senate uh, campaign committee money uh, and I'll administer it right and get us through this. And Trump is the, you know, Joe, sleepy Joe Biden is, 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 is demented and uh, Nancy Pelosi is evil and uh, the, the Democrats are all child molesters. Give the people that I am telling you to get money uh, or, you know, do help people. Uh, you know, he stimulates the grassroots and McConnell stimulates the donor class. And together, without meaning to, they combine for Republican electoral success in 2022. Again, not conscious. They're not working together. McConnell hates Trump. Trump now hates McConnell. And that's all that's all I'm saying effectively it could it could conceivably work that way in some odd alchemy. Not unlike uh Bernie and Biden, let's say. I mean, as two polls uh on the on the Democratic side. Right. Yeah. It's just you don't know what happens once the dust clears. That's the question, right? Is this Biden's party or is it Bernie's party? What What is the Biden agenda? Is it the Biden agenda, or is it the progressive agenda? You know, with uh, with with uh, you know, uh, Mister Ro- you know, Grandpa Rogers, uh, uh, you know, kissing babies or you know, kissing them from afar and you know, saying, "Come up to me after the show and I'll get you a vaccine." Well, the interesting thing is that uh, whatever the agenda is, what what happened when Biden was the nominee was that. Everyone who said uh, uh, it's Bernie or bust got behind Biden anyway. Yeah. Okay, we will reconvene tomorrow. So for Abe, Noah, and Christine, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.